Thanks for checking out Free Chapel Young Adults. We're so excited to share this conversation with you from our last Third Wednesday gathering. We love to help you get more connected at FCYA here in Orange County. For more info, just give us a follow on Instagram or join us next month. We hope you enjoy this episode. We love you and we hope to see you soon. All right, all right, all right. How are we feeling today? Happy Third Wednesday. It feels like two months since the last Third Wednesday, does it not? Hey, but hey, welcome to Third Wednesday. Welcome to Free Chapel. We're so glad you're here. We praise God for you today. Uh, thank you for giving us your, your Wednesday night. And if you drove far, we're very appreciative that you're here. Hope you feel like family. We really do praise God for you. My name is Jason, um, and this is our young adult ministry, and we, we're so grateful for this space and this community. This is how we operate. We do groups um, in seasons, and so we just started season two of our small groups, but in the, uh, yeah, come on, let, let's make some noise for our small group leaders. If you're a small group leader, can you raise your hand? Yeah, even new gr- group leaders. Yeah, raise that hand, Georgie. Come on, Georgie. And uh, what happens is it's three months on and one month off. And in that uh, off month is, uh, you know, we, we, we do a celebration. But every single month we want to stop and pause and um, really have a space that we can cultivate this oneness with our community. And that's what Third Wednesdays is for. And so we just really hope that when you're here, you feel loved, you feel celebrated, because that's what Jesus does for us every single day. And so we hope that you feel that when you walk through our doors. Hey, any Denver Nuggets fans in the house today? There's the door, baby. Come on, Lakers in six. That's all I'm going to say. We figured out Jokic at the end of the game. We'll be fine tomorrow night. Lakers in six. Yeah, Lakers in five. Okay. Hey, I have a, we have a very special um, guest, friend, um, family of the house. Um, and before I introduce him, it's funny story of how we, we met. We met on January 1st. It was before me and Amanda were on staff here yet. We were checking out Sunday because we didn't have service at our church. And we went out to lunch with a group of mutual friends and met Caden there. And ever since then, he's been one of my best friends. And so that's how, that's how the story uh, started. And we're blessed to have him here. Thank you for uh, making your time. So this is Caden Fabrizio, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for having a me. A warm welcome. I'm honored. Yeah. I love it. So that's a little bit of our story. Yeah, I wanna... that's how we met, actually. I want to know. It was romantic. It was. We sat down and across the table at Zinke. And caught eyes. Are we calling it Zinke? Or are we just calling to. it Zinc? That, that was my uh, restaurant of choice. If I can pick one restaurant it's for the Zinc, rest yeah, of... It's Zinc, for sure. It's Zinc. I had the steak frites. You think you got the burger that got day? the burger and it was... Best steak, messed it up. Best steak freeze ever in my life. But God was on that dinner. It was, it was, it was, an, it was an anointed dinner. It was oh, an anointed was afternoon. It was it not. Bro, tell us a few fun facts about yourself. What's, what, tell us the few things you need to know about Caden. Yeah, I'd say actually, first of all, I want to do this. Hey, can we just give a huge round of applause for Pastor Jason and Pastor Cody, the whole rest of the team, Sean, Angel. I don't know if you guys know this, but you guys have some of the most amazing leaders around you and it's easy to be around these people and get used to that smile and get used to having Indian Brad Pitt on stage but what you guys what's crazy is that this kind of leadership you guys have around you is not like is not normal what is what God has done in their hearts and how they love you guys I get front row seats to see how much Jason cares about you guys and loves you guys and is praying for you guys and believing for you guys I just want you guys to know how amazing he is, how amazing this leadership is, and uh, just give him another round of applause. I'm just honored to be here. Thanks for being a good friend. Okay, three things about me. Love talking about myself. Okay, number one, uh, I'm a quarter Korean. Lies, prove it, prove it right now. Uh, Yeah, like how do you do that? Yeah, that could get dicey fast. That canceled so quick. Uh, Number two, 
I have a uh, golden doodle named Bronx. Go Yankees. Any Yankee fans in the building? I see one guy. Come on. Tough season so far. Um, it's not going well. And then our thir my third thing is I'm about to become an uncle. Oh. Let's go. Boy or girl. It's going to be a boy. Let's go. His name is Jude, and he is, he is uh, due in July. Let's go, bro. So I'm excited, bro. He's going to go. be my whole world probably. That's right. You already had practice being, in, like, you know, taking care of someone with Bronx. Yeah, he's you had a funny story with Bronx lately. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how funny it is. It's funny. But, I mean, I took uh, – I have this golden doodle, obviously. He's, like, a little less than two years old. And I took him to the vet because he had uh, an ear infection. And I took him to the vet, and they do all the medication, flush the ear, whatever. Two weeks go by, and the ear's not getting better. Like, the ear's getting worse. Like, he's keeping me up all night, shaking his head, like, scratching at his ear. So I'm like, yeah, I got to take him back. So I take him back. I see the vet, and the vet goes – Okay, we'll just flush it again. I don't know why it's not, it's not working. It's not getting better. So they take him back, and then they come back, and they go, you said it was the right ear? And I'm like, yes, the right ear. And they're like, oh, we did the left ear last time. So I had to pay another $135. They made you pay. They made me pay. Oh, no. They made me pay yeah, not for it. the flushing in the ear, but for the visit. And I'd already been there an hour and a half, and I love Jesus, so I didn't make it a big deal. But I was like, all right, I'm getting out of here. Oh, no. He's costing me money, dude. That's what I'm saying. High maintenance. But you love him anyway. So much. Go Bronx. So much. Go Yankees. Stop cheating, though. The Yankees are cheating these days, I feel so like. So how are you? Okay, I'm good. <laughs> Bro, I love you. Thank you so much for um, you know spending your Wednesday with us. and You're honored. Just uh, depositing into this community. We we're value already what you've your, – your heart, your posture – your ministry, but tell us a little bit about your story, yeah. um, how you got here, mm -hmm. a little bit of background, yeah. what you do, okay. and um, yeah, just a little glimpse into your life. Yeah, well, I, uh, I do a few things. I host a podcast called Questions with Caden, where we uh, answer one faith question every single episode, and the goal behind that is I feel like often we're asking questions we're not getting answers to, and so the, the goal of that podcast is to say, like, hey, let's ask the questions. Jesus isn't afraid of our questions. Jesus isn't afraid that sometimes we have doubts and sometimes we're not sure and we want to know more details. He actually welcomes those. In any intimate relationship, you ask questions. So I do that as well as I lead a young adult ministry and movement called Yona, um, which has been, we launched three months ago and God's been absolutely blowing my mind. It's been so crazy to, to see. But really who I am, like I'm just the guy who grew up uh, in church, grew up with two amazing parents that love the Lord that loved me and uh, always forced me to go to church. You know that you know that song uh, with Brandon Lake. That's like, uh, Mama used to drag me to church. That yeah, that was you. Sunday mornings. Yeah, the khakis. Were you wearing the no khakis. khakis? We were non-denom. Oh, yeah. well, there you go. You can Praise wear the open God. toes. <laughs> We've been skinny jeans to the dead. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that was me, bro. Like my mom. Like I say, like I'm not a preacher's kid. I'm just the closest thing to it because my mom was like the first hand up for like anything to serve at. So I'm there Sundays. I'm there Tuesdays. I'm there Wednesdays. And truthfully. I honestly never enjoyed church, but for some reason, God always had his hand on my heart, and I always found myself um, still loving the Lord and knowing who he is, even if I felt like maybe I didn't fit in at church, or I felt like maybe this wasn't the place for me, or, um, and so I went on that journey until I was about 18 years old. I was uh, traveling, playing tennis. The goal was to be a pro tennis player. The goal was to get a scholarship, which happened, um, and then when I'm 18 years old, I have a, like, pretty like career ending uh, wrist injury ends up taking me out of playing tennis out of what I thought I was designed and made for because um, it's really easy to think like oh hey this thing is going well so this must be like what God's hand is on which is not always the case 
And so uh, when I was 18 years old, I had an encounter with Jesus that changed my life. And he showed me who I was. He showed me uh, what I actually was called to do, that my identity wasn't wrapped up in tennis or in success or in trying to be this thing, but it was actually um, to be his. And so when I was 18, I had this encounter that transformed my life. And then God started just taking me on a journey to um, really know who he was. And then I got distracted. (laughs) And then when I was like, man, how old was I? Maybe 20 years old, um, I started getting into like fashion influencing, content creation. Um, And again, that started going really well. And so it's easy to think like, oh, hey, when something goes well, God must be on it, which is not always the case. And so I found myself essentially taking this desire to be successful in tennis and sports and then flipping it into this desire to be successful maybe in this other industry that I found myself in. Um, And I, I tried everything. Like I did I, I traveled, I worked with a ton of brands, I went to a ton of cool things, um, I even went as far as dating somebody that did the same thing, thinking that, oh, okay, everything's going well, I guess the next thing, even though I was miserable, I'm like, okay, I guess the next thing to do is get engaged, and the next thing to do is like go down this path, because what I was really doing was searching for this something, like searching for this, what was going to give me the thing that I had been always searching for, don't do that again. And, uh, like, hey, this is not your church, dude. Um, and long story short, uh, God totally wrecks my world and pulls me completely out of all those things, recasts vision on my life, and um, starts moving and showing me who I was again and how to do it a second time. And uh, during that time, God started breathing new life, new vision, restoring me, renewing me, and doing amazing things. And then you find yourself here. Yeah. That's insane. I think what you're saying with... Um, when you're successful with something, yeah. you think everything's going well. You think yeah. God's hands upon yeah. it just because you're successful. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes when we're successful at something, it's easy for us to take the glory. Yeah. And so our lack of intimacy with Jesus is the thing that's gone. So how easy is it to get distracted by that promise of success when you're, when you're oh, in man. the middle of it? Yeah, it's huge. I think, you know, I was at the gym today and um, I was on the treadmill. He's flexing right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was at the gym today. I'm just like, gonna like burst I'm flexing so hard <laughs> like pass out don't I look huge though tell me I look big you look great I've been trying you look great I've been trying so hard you look great look I at the sh- look you like got the shoes no don't talk about the shoes, shoes. <laughs> no eyes are up here guys yeah. um I was at the gym today and I was walking on the treadmill and there was a guy next to me who was watching uh NBA highlights on his phone and I kept like glancing at his phone and I was just walking bro and I like tripped over myself like two or three times I swear and I was like, how lame am I that I, like, tripped over myself walking on a treadmill? But I think it's similar, like, when you're, you're getting distracted by things that God, is, it, it, that, that God isn't doing in your life, it's easy to get tripped up. And I think what you can do a lot of times is you can say, like, hey, I know God's called me this way, but doesn't obedience mean success? When a lot of times you can see in Scripture, it, that actually is not the case. Obedience means yes, not success. Obedience means no matter what it looks like, no matter what I walk through, no matter what, if it's good, bad, ugly, up, down, left, right, I'll do what you say, God, because you are my reward, nothing else. So it's easy to get distracted and by things like success. It's easy to get distracted by things like, hey, God is blessing X, Y, and Z, so I must, that must be my calling. Even though you're depressed, even though you're anxious, 
even though there's no peace, even though the people that you are, that, that should be speaking in your life are going, hey, go this way, but you're going, no, no, no this is successful. But success doesn't give you anything that Jesus does. Success doesn't give you anything that God has already given you because success makes us have to do something to achieve it. When gospel is, Jesus says, I've done it all. I've taken it all. I've gone to the cross. I've taken your battle. I've taken your depression. I've taken your addiction. I've taken your anxiety. And you don't have to do anything. You just have to receive it. So it was easy for me to fall into the trap of going, hey, I need to perform to be successful to reach what it is God's calling me into. And I think that's counter gospel. I think Jesus goes, hey, I want you to be obedient to receive what I've already done. Yeah, and fulfillment, real true fulfillment comes straight from the Lord. And if you're not connected to the Lord, if you're not connected to his word, what will happen is you're seeking fulfillment in false things that lead to temporary fulfillment, right? So good. So talk, like, in in light of that, with, like, especially with social media, we just had, um, you know, our our pastor here, um, Ben, Pastor Ben, he he spoke on this message a couple weeks ago on um, the system of self and how it's always about us on social media. And so especially if you, that's what you do, yeah. and that's what you did for a long time, yeah. what about the dark sides of social media in terms of the pressure to always perform? You know what I mean? When people see a certain type of success to their definition in you, and they're looking for that same kind of fulfillment because they see you successful. Yeah, yeah. And so what they're trying to do is they're looking at those false, those false things that promise temporary f- fulfillment What's the dark side of that, especially when you're in the middle of it and that pressure to always perform, pressure to always be a certain thing on social media, what people, what people are seeing? Yeah, I mean, I feel like social media is a tool, right? So like any tool, you can either use it or it can use you. And so I think for a, a lot of people and for a long time for me, you can let social media drive potentially how you feel or what you do or where you get value or any of that. But it's all fake. Like, social media isn't real. Like, nobody's posting bad day selfies, and even girls are going, no makeup, and it's like, you still look great. You know, it's like, it's like not that bad. You know what I mean? I think, so for me, I'm going, in social, when it comes to social media, I'm going, okay, how do I not let social media use me, and how do I use social media? Like, how can I use this thing that allows me to access millions of people across the globe not to just flex and look good, but how can I use it to preach the gospel? How can I use it to reach people where they are? So many people will never walk into a church. They'll never do it. But they'll click on a link. They'll click on a photo. They'll click on a podcast. They'll click on all these things. So for me, I think what I had to realize is, first of all, social media is never going to give you anything. It's only going to take anything. It's only going to take from you. That's why you post. That's why you give. And then secondly, I think um, being aware of what you're consuming on social media is huge. Like it's, I'm sure you've heard this before. It's called a feed because it's literally feeding you. And what you're fed, you digest. So if all day long you're looking at things you compare yourself to or you're looking at things that um, make you feel a certain way or make you anxious or make you feel left out or make you feel, that's what you're going to be digesting. So I think it, it, when it comes to social media, I just, I just feel like a generation needs to know like you have power over it. Like, let's stop becoming victim to social media. Like, you're a child of God. You're an heir to the kingdom of heaven. Unfollow somebody. Like, let's take power back. Yeah, come on. Let's take, let's take power back into our hands. Let's all take our phones out and unfollow that person yeah. that you're thinking. No. I th- thank you for sharing that. You, you do it so well. One thing I admire about you is your, 
integrity. Like the person that I, we see, especially like with podcasts, that's the same person you are off. Was that something that like you have to be ultra aware of? Or is that just like a posture thing that's like, you know what, I'm, I am going to use this as a tool for my ministry. You know what I mean? Because so, I, to be honest, any, oftentimes when I meet someone who does social media influencing, they're completely different if I run into them as zinc. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, still, I'm eating steak frites just like you, okay? You know what I mean? But you're acting different. We're both paying $40. We're both right? paying for they raise their prices, by the way, so I have to talk about that for a thing. Sean's but, gonna be pissed. Yeah. But you know what I mean. Mad. Like that's that's what usually what we're used to seeing. Yeah. But something that I've always admired about you is I didn't know what you did when I first met you. I would not have guessed that that was something you did. I think integrity is something that's big that you carry. Is that something that you've had to that you've that's been a struggle before, or have you seen yourself drifting in a different direction? And how do you kind of course correct? Yeah, totally. First of all, thank you. Yeah. That means a ton to me. I think the older I've gotten, the more I've, I've been like, hey, like, you can be the most gifted, you can be the most talented, you can be the most anointed, but if you have no character, like, you're literally good luck. Mm-hmm. It means nothing. Yeah. Um, I think, honestly, like, that came from a lot of crushing and a lot of pressing. And I think, um, yeah, I think I'd say there was times definitely in the beginning when I was doing this, when it was just like, I was doing like fashion stuff where like, I definitely probably got caught up in other things, definitely started thinking a certain way or acting a certain way or doing things I shouldn't have been doing. And, um, but I got to credit my dad. I got to credit my dad and his, he always taught me that, what I just said. Like your talents and your gifts can only get you so far, but integrity can keep you there. And I think what's in really important and for me is I've, over the last two years, I've just seeked the face of Jesus and I mean, I don't say that just to like, to flex, but I, I, I'm saying that like I've seeked the face of Jesus, one, because I had nothing else, but two, because I started to understand that God had to weed some things out of me. Like he needed to weed some things, he needed to kill some things, and he needed to plant some things if I was going to ever be who I knew he was calling me to be. And that takes, um, that takes being submitted in the secret place and, and being willing to go to the, the feet of Jesus and be like, hey, I... I got this, I'm struggling with this, I think about this, I do, and giving that to God and letting him work in your heart and renew your mind and renew, scripture talks about the power of a renewed mind. And Romans 12, two says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And that happens in the secret place with Jesus. When you understand that you have access to the mind of Christ and you can live out of the mind of Christ, then you can start to live in integrity and with character and you can look and walk like Jesus. Love it. When you said with the tennis thing, there was a moment there. I don't know if you touched on it today, but there was a moment there when you knew the Lord was calling you to ministry. And for the beginning, correct me if I'm wrong, you were a little bit unwilling. But when it came back around, like you knew exactly what the Lord was telling you back then. And sometimes it didn't come. It didn't come into fruition right away. But your unwillingness in the beginning was what was keeping you. And then now it's just like, oh my gosh, God's like giving you this ministry of Yona, right? And can I want to? And even seeing you on social media, that's all like your whole set, your, it's gospel centered. And that's like the emphasis now, not, you know, fashion or anything like that. And that, that kind of led you into where you are today, right? And yeah. Can you share a little bit about, about what Yona is, the heart behind it, and even what the journey that the Lord took you on? Because I know that story, it's super powerful. Tell us a little bit about that whole story of what the Lord revealed to you, how he spoke to you so clearly, 
how you were sensitive to listening so distinctively in those few weeks? Yeah. Well, um, so I lead a ministry. We call it a movement. Yeah. We're just so faithful, you know, just know God's moving. It just sounds so much cooler. Um, so I lead this movement called Yona. And what it is, it's a, a monthly gathering for young adults and young adult ministries to gather, to become one, to get in the presence of Jesus, to unite the church, um, and to hopefully ignite some young adults and young adult ministries in the area into what I believe is, is revival. Um, but the story of that, is that kind of what you want me to share a little bit? Like the story of, so Yona is, Yona is such a wild thing that came like really out of nowhere. I guess I got to start. How much time do we have? We're good. We're good. All right, I'm going to go in. All right, so <laughs> about three years ago, I mentioned that I was doing all these other things with my life, and I was engaged. And about three years ago, we actually broke up. And with breaking up, the engagement basically was like an end of the season of everything I'd probably like built my life on up until that point, which was get the best shoes, go to the coolest places, do all the things that would equal success and left me empty, depressed, anxious, miserable, dude, miserable. And at that point, what I would call crushing, I remember having an encounter with Jesus where he so like gracefully called me back to him. And I go, okay, I'll do whatever it looks like for you to use me and for me to be submitted to you. And so three years ago, I basically resubmitted, not that I wasn't a Christian, but I, I just wasn't listening to my father. You know, I was, like, I was like that kid that the dad was going, hey, don't go that way. And I was going, yeah, but it's going to be more fun. And it wasn't. And so I, three years ago, I found myself at this, this, this crushing point, this point where God starts to renew vision in my life. And it was a journey for about probably two years of starting at zero again learning who I was and learning who Jesus was. Because let, let me say this. You're never going to know who you are if you don't know who Jesus is. And the problem with me is that I thought who I was was going to be success when what I really was was a son of God. But I didn't know God enough to know who I was or what he was doing in me or who he had called me to be. So in that season of seeking the Lord, um, he calls me to start a podcast, which I told you guys about. It was called Questions with Caden. And in the first season of the podcast, it was going terribly. <laughs> like, I thought for sure this thing would blow up. Absolutely didn't. Absolutely didn't. And every podcast episode I posted, I was like, okay, I'm just going to be faithful. And whoever listens, listens. And whoever doesn't, doesn't. And for about a, about a year, uh, I was doing this podcast. And so about three months before I get the vision of, of Yona, I'm sitting at, um, I'm actually at Zinc, bro, which is crazy. <laughs> Shout out Zinc. I was actually at How many Zinc. times have we mentioned Zinc today? <laughs> yeah, it's like this podcast sponsored by Zinc. Yeah. So I, I was at Zinc, and uh, we're having a good time with friends. There's probably like 20 of us just having a blast, like just great night. And one of my friends who's like, you guys have the, one of those friends that's like annoyingly prophetic? You guys know that person? Like don't look at them right now, but like there's probably one of them in the room. Like they're just so prophetic, it gets annoying. So one of my friends, she leans across the table. We're at Zinc, bro. Like great night. Leans across the table and goes, hey, I just got to let you know. God said he's going to be silent with you for the next three months. I go, I asked for the ketchup. And sure enough, I go into a season where up until that point, when I basically like caught new vision for my life, the Lord had been so clear with me. And then I go into a season where the Lord was silent. What did you even do when she said that, though? Dude, I literally go, we're at zinc. Yeah. 
We were just talking about like our friend's wedding. Like what is happening? And so I'm like, you're crazy. No, God's going to speak to me. He always speaks to me. And then silent. And for three months, it felt like God had left me. And I remember being in that season. And you've asked me this question. You're like, did that word encourage you? No, because I brushed it off. I was at zinc. I was a burger deep. And so for three months, I made the decision, okay, God, if you're not going to be with me and you're not going to spend time with me and you're not going to talk to me, I'm going to talk to you. If you're not going to get close to me, I'll get close to you. So I spent every single day for the next three months seeking Jesus like I'd never had before. Like, I don't know if you've ever opened the Bible and been like, is this thing on? Nothing. Flip and open up a, a random page. Yeah, like, he's speaking to me right now. Please wind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> please flip to a random page. Yeah. And then you're like searching. And it's like it's Leviticus. It's like yeah, no, yeah. I'm not, I'm it's like counting yet. numbers. And David had ten thousand. You're like, not a word from God. So I'm in this season. And I go, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna seek him, and I'm gonna seek him, and I'm gonna seek him, and I'm gonna seek him. And three months go by of absolute dreadful silence. And I'm saying, I'm talking like, like I'm in worship, front row at a church, and it's bumping, and people are like, getting. Like demons, they're getting, they're, out of them. they're getting people Benny Hinn yeah, across yeah, the room, just, you know, just falling out, yeah. like modesty blankets all over. Let the bodies, yeah, let the bodies hit the floor. Let the, and I'm sitting there going, like I don't even know if he's here. And so I just dug deeper. And one day I was sitting in in the secret place, and I go, like God, just say something. And God finally speaks to me, and He goes, I want you to pray. Stop asking me for things. I want you to thank me for everything you already have. And do it for seven days. And so for seven days, I sat there and I thanked him for my Honda Accord. And I thanked him for my puppy. And I just, and I thanked him. And, and what was crazy is in the beginning, I had felt like I had nothing to thank him for. By the end of the seven days, I couldn't stop. Like, God, thank you for the sunlight. Thank you for the air. Thank you for how you're... Something started to shift in me. And then on the seventh day, after that, he goes, for seven days, I want you to pray for every single one of your friends that's in ministry. That's doing what you know I've called you to do, but I haven't let you do it yet. So I prayed for all of my friends, my friends in Texas and my friends in Florida and my friends in California and my friends that do alternative forms of social media and the evangelists, and I pray, God, would you bless them? Would you give them more opportunities? And I had to fight through the jealousy. God, would you just do everything that they're dreaming about? And what, God, would you speak to them? And God, would you? And by that seventh day after that, God goes, great. Now ask me for everything you want. And what's funny about that is by the time I got to that point, I felt like, oh, I don't need that much. So I just, I just prayed and asked him for the things I wanted. And I want a Chevy. And I want a wife. And, I want, and so I just started praying and asking him for, the, for those things. And by the, the last day of that seventh day, which I now can look back and say God took me on 21 days of prayer, which is crazy, I was sitting in a coffee shop answering emails. And I got hit with the Holy Spirit like I never have before. And I saw a vision of Yonah. I saw a vision of young adults across the nation uniting. I saw a vision of God sitting on this move of God like a dove, and it's sparking revival across the nation and young adults. I saw that God is coming to do something in you and you and you, and it's starting through our obedience and our unity. And so I called some friends, and I go, is this crazy? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I had some other crazy encounters with the Lord to confirm, and 
then stepped out in faith and started building a team and started telling the team, hey, you know, we're going to do this thing, and we're going to do it in four months, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And I have crazy stories that I can tell about the faithfulness of God and all of that. But we launched March 3rd, 2023, a couple months ago, and God's ever since has blown our mind. He provided the finances. We started this thing with no money, just a dream. And God's provided every step of the way. He's brought the people. He's brought the team. He's brought the money. And he's moving. And I love it because in those, that 21-day journey, must, there must have been so many times of frustration. Right? Oh, bro. Yeah. It was not cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I love this. I was um, reminded of this verse, Acts 17, when you were talking. And I love this, how Luke writes this. But he says that, um, this is what he says. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. So we're in specific areas at specific times for our specific lives. Like, I love that that they should seek and perhaps feel their way towards and find him, yet he is actually not far from each of us. And I love that That's because it's like, man, we're in a specific time for oh. such a time as this. Yeah. There's specific boundaries that are put up in our lives. It's not yeah. by accident. No. And it's all made for us to seek and feel our way towards God. Absolutely. I think that's beautiful, like feeling our way towards yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes those things are uncomfortable and it's things that we don't want to feel. There are emotions that we don't want to be there, but it's to feel our way towards God. And then it says this, in him we live and move and have our being. Come on. Isn't that so beautiful? In him we live and move and have our being as if, in other ways, that's the, we exist. In him, that, outside of him, there's nothing. And so this whole purpose is like things that we happen by accident. Like we're just sitting here like talking. That's not by accident. Like laughing is not by accident. How weird is laughing? When people call that an accident, I'm just like, that makes no sense. We're on, yeah. a, we're on a ball of water that's spinning. And the inside of that ball is somehow hot, and it's covered in water. And we're just like, oh, that's yeah, fine. Like, it's, 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 it's 93 word. million miles away from the sun. And we're like, oh, it's a little hot yeah. right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we're, cool sp we're spinning around that, that ball. Yeah. At this, you know, a thousand miles an hour, spinning around this ball, and we're, we're, we're wondering if the Lord hears us and cares about us. But he says, the system of self that we're talking about, he has every reason to boast because he made all that stuff. But he cares about us. And he's literally doing things in our life so that we can feel our way towards him. Like on this world that's spinning around. And we don't, we don't even think about that at all in the day. And it sounds cheesy that you're saying like, oh, I'm, I'm thanking God for the weather. I'm thanking God for the trees. But that's a posture that he's inviting us into so that we can feel our way towards him. And like the beautiful part of creation, like he's inviting us to like, man, like I don't want to let the rocks cry out because I have this joy inside of me. There's too much praise in my life. I can't just take that for granted and just think that this is by accident. This is not by accident. This is a purpose. And I love this. Like Acts 17, like, allotted periods and boundaries in their dwelling place. Yeah, there's, there's literally purpose in everything. Yeah. Like when we think, when we think something's going to fall to the wayside, yeah. God's using it. So good. When we think like, oh, we didn't have enough or we weren't enough, God's using it. Uh -huh. And when we're praying and asking for things and God's not doing it, mm -hmm. it's because there's purpose in that as oh well. Gosh, yeah. There's purpose in growing. There's mm -hmm. purpose in waiting. There's purpose in planting. There's yeah. purpose in sowing. There's so many times you like look back and you're like, oh my God, thank, thank you for oh, saying bro, no to dude, that. <laughs> like, genuinely, genuinely, like, the things I prayed for and believed for three, four years ago, I would have fumbled so hard. 
Oh my gosh, yeah. I would have fumbled. For I would have sure. fumbled Yona. Yeah. I would have fumbled this friendship. Sure. I would have fumbled so many things. Mm-hmm. But I went through the pressing, and I went through the crushing, and I went through the patience, and I went through the frustration, and I let God use all those things to build me. Yeah. And like we too often, like I mean, we're getting like tangent, but we too often go like, God can't use this dirty stuff. God can't use the failure. God can't use the failed relationship. God can't use the failed success. God can't use, and God's going, what do you mean? I'm using all of it. I'm using it to grow you. I'm using it to set you up. I'm using it to teach you. I'm using it to, and all of those things have purpose. And we do a disservice to the, the vastness of our God when we don't look at those things. Yeah. That's so good. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, can we praise God for that oh. word? We have to remind ourselves that every single day. Oh, yeah. We get lost in, in that. Like, that's what you were saying at the gym. Like, you're looking from side to side, and that's distracting you. Oh, yeah. Remember we, a couple weeks ago at Holy Ground? Remember what happened? Yeah. Outside? Yeah, okay, so we have a friend. We have a buddy that owns a sneaker shop. Are you going to really tell this story? I'm right telling now? the story. That is so humble. <laughs> so we're, we're outside the sneaker shop, and next door to the sneaker shop is, like, they opened this new... Um, what was it? It was a mochi donut place. Yeah, it's like a donut place, yeah. And it was delicious. Yeah, go but there. What we, was it called? I forgot. Dot something. Dot donuts. Dot org. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It was, um, but we go in and we just ordered one thing. But since they know the owner, our buddy, they gave us like this big box of like pastries and like boba and stuff. So I'm holding like both of our drinks and I'm holding like, you know, uh, a box of donuts. donuts. And I'm walking out. (laughs) It's like a Saturday. I'm wearing my like, Burke, like my Boston clogs, you know, like my yeah. burst. You look good though. Thank you, bro. Yeah. But I'm, wa- I'm, wa- I'm walking out and we're about to say bye. And I'm not like looking where I'm going. I'm not paying attention. And I'm walking to my car and I accidentally, I'm like stepping right here and my, my clog like twists, my ankle twists. And like literally in a millisecond, I was just like, my guy ate it so hard. Face down on the so floor. So hard. Have you ever seen a 6'4", 225-pound man just <laughs> melt to the ground? Literally. And then they didn't even see it. They're like, what happened? I popped out of my felt the earth like, shake. My jeans were all, like, black. I, like, my, my knees were bleeding and stuff. But guess what? Not a single spill of boba. Come God. on. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? <laughs> you know, when you have adrenaline, you, like, act like you're fine in the moment. You hopped like, up so fast. Are you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm fine. And Get you're going... What's the, you're bleeding. No, no, no. I'm fine. No, no, I'm not bleeding. Yeah. I like it this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's so funny that every single time, like, there's so many moments in our life when we, you know, Bible says in Psalm 119, his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. Yeah, it's good. One step at a time. Yeah. We just got to go one step at a time. And so many times we're looking at what they're doing and what they're doing. And I was not looking at where I was going, and I landed so flat on my face. And that's just a funny story. But how true is that in our life, especially in ministry? We're looking at what our church is doing. I'm looking at what my ministry is doing. Like, we did this, like, we did this young adult night. Like, ah, they're doing young adult, but, you know, we do it this way. And I think so many times we don't realize that we're we're literally heading towards the same goal. Like, the goal isn't even heaven. It's eternal fellowship with Jesus starting now. That's good. It's eternal fellowship with the Father starting now. And if we all have that goal, like, why are we, you know how we name drop, like, people all the time? It's like I'm name dropping people and, like, oh, I know this person, I know this person, I know this person. But we're name dropping our church instead of the person that we're serving. We're not, like, boasting on the person that we're, like, the person of Jesus 
We're not showing off that we're all, we all know him. We're just showing off of my ministry or that ministry, even within the church. Oh, that's youth, but that, that doesn't come out of our budget. You know what I mean? That's young adult. College is separate than us. We're all doing the same thing. Yeah. And so often we're just like, we're name dropping the wrong thing. And we're just like, this is about Jesus. This is about the, the person who is literally allowing things in our life to happen so we can feel our way towards him. So we can feel our way towards him, and he's putting these boundaries up so we can go to him because he wants to be in eternal fellowship with us when he can boast about anything else. That's insane. And what I love about your posture in Yona is that that's what it's all about. It's about the local church. Like you're pushing people to, hey, this is like a, a, a night that's not um, intimidating. It's just come as you are. We're just going to sing some worship songs. We're here all as one body. We're going to get a good word. We're fellowshipping together. And then you're pushing people to get involved in the local church. I love that. There was two announcements that you did at one of your gatherings. Uh, I wasn't there, but one of the announcements was about giving. And what you said, I wasn't there, but Angel told me. He's like, he's like he did it so great because he was like, hey, this is not your tithe. Your tithe goes to your church, your local church. This is giving uh, above your tithe. And like that, that posture is so different because people will skip that little detail to, to put their ministry like, you know, on a pedestal. But you're like, no, this is about the local church. So into your local church, but this is, if you feel led to give, then give. And the second announcement was the Free Chapel internship. <laughs> Literally, you're in Rancho Cucamonga and we're the farthest church away. And you're, you're promoting something else that's happening in a different local church because we're all going towards the same goal. No one is doing that like you. And so I want to honor you. Yeah, can we just honor what you're doing? Thank you, bro. Because that's not happening, and it's sad, but we need, we need more of that. And I think a ministry like that is the really, it's, it's cultivating oneness in the local church. Like, we're, I'm doing this, you're doing this, let's do it together. Yeah. And let's keep our eyes you know, at the end of the race, the fastest way to lose a race is to look left and right. You just got to keep your eyes on the prize. And I think if all of us are just doing that together, imagine the world and community and churches we'd be a part of if we're just like, ah, that's like, it's just Jesus. I have my eyes focused on Jesus. Help me, Holy Spirit. Keep my eyes focused on Jesus. That's so good. Yeah, I think at Yona, I mean, when I, when I saw the vision of Yona, I saw young adults coming from every background, place, space, church. And I I think like you said, I think often we get, we get caught up in building our own kingdoms, not the kingdom, and we use the excuse of the kingdom to build our own kingdom, and I don't think it's often intentional. I just think we get locked in on what we're doing at our church, in our space, in our city, and we forget that the kingdom of God is mass, and it's large, and we're all not a part of free chapel. We're part of the kingdom of God. And so at Yona, I think when the Lord gave me this vision, I heard him say that revival is going to spark in unity. In, in John 17, Jesus prays a prayer as he's dying. Like, this is a crazy thought. Like, John 17 gives us um, insight into Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the, that is the prayer before he literally goes to the cross to die for our sins. The one where uh, they say he was sweating blood and crying blood. Like, I've been stressed. I've never cried blood. And Jesus takes the time. One of the first things he says when he's stressed, when he's about to die, crying blood, he says, I pray that they will all be one. And what's powerful about that is Jesus didn't pray that he wanted us all to be singular. He said he wanted us all to be one. 
And the difference is singular is me, my, my church, my pastor, my this. And one is our kingdom, our mission, our, it's togetherness. I don't know if you guys have ever seen like a lion hunt. I, I haven't either. But like I've seen on, on National Geographic, it's like, like, Cade, where do you hang out, bro? African landscapes. I don't know if you've ever seen a lion hunt, but I, 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 I've seen on National Geographic, a way a lion hunts is he will single out the most vulnerable and weak individual in a herd of gazelle. Like a lion doesn't attack the group or the one herd of gazelles. He attacks the singular gazelle. And the Bible tells us that Satan is roaming around like a roaring lion waiting to devour us. And we're doing his job for him by saying, okay, we'll all be singular. We'll all be by ourselves. And we'll let, we'll let Satan eat the weak ones and the ones that branding is not as good. And we'll yeah. let them eat the ones where the worship's not as nice. We'll let him eat those ones instead of going, no, 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 no. Satan, back off. We're one. We're united. We are under the banner of heaven. We are under Jesus and what he's already done on the cross. And so for the vision of, of Yonah, it really is that. It's really saying like, and I tell people who come every time, I go, hey, this is not a church. We're not a church. We, are, we don't even come out of a church. We're our own nonprofit parachurch is what you would call it. We're not a church. And we're not your church. But we are the church. Because we have pastors and ministries from all around Southern California. We've already partnered with like eight churches, eight young adult pastors. And that's growing because our vision is to say, let's put down the competition. Because the competition, it often comes out of this mindset that like God doesn't have enough for all of us. Well, if that church does well, he doesn't have enough for us. And that can even be personal. If if he does well, well, what about me? But that's a small mindset of God. God is great, and he is big, and he is vast, and he has enough for everybody in surplus. He has enough, and there's enough people in just Southern California alone to overflow churches. We can't house the people that are here, and we're fighting over the little ones, the little groups we can't get in. That's where the enemy hides, bro. I feel like even like when you talk about healing, I have a crazy healing story, but it's it's funny because like overseas you'll see so much physical healing and even like like they're like they're on their deathbed and you know like you'll see like crazy physical healing all the time in a third world country like my my, my grandpa was uh you know pentecostal preacher in india and he did healing crusades that my mom was physically there at and she she saw like growths on people's faces disappearing she saw like limbs being straightened out and it, that's just a normal thing there because I, I feel like the enemy just hides in like sickness, illness, death. And of course, like the spirit's moving there. You don't see that as much here because the enemy hides in conflict here. That's so good. And the thing is like, we don't, like, why are we not seeing healing? The enemy's not hiding there because we don't even have the faith to believe in a miracle sometimes. So we're doing half the job for him. But yeah. where, we, where he does hide is church versus church. yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't like that that church is praying for this. Yeah. Oh, let's gossip about that church. Yeah. How can they do that? And it, we're all against each other. The enemy's hiding in plain sight yeah. in our churches. You know, I like to say it. I like to say, like, the Bible talks about the church being the bride of Christ. Yeah. But if, if we saw an actual bride mm-hmm. treat herself the way that the church treats itself, yeah. 
we would say it's unhealthy oh, yeah. and not fit to be married. Yeah. And what we've done is we, as the bride of Christ, have divided ourselves. Yeah. It's self-harm, Jason. We, as the church, are we're cutting ourselves by cutting ourselves off from each other. Because I can't get all of Jesus if I don't get some of you. And I can't get all of Jesus if I don't get some of Sean. Come on. Yeah. And I can't get all of Jesus if I don't get oceans. Yeah. And I can't get all of Jesus if I don't get free. But we cut it off at boundaries, and we do the enemy's work for him. Because yeah. he doesn't need to worry about the church. It's an unhealthy bride. Sure. Unfit for marriage to the bridegroom, no. Jesus. So he doesn't, need to be, he doesn't need to be worried about the church being productive and the church taking ground and the church reminding him he's already lost and reminding him that he doesn't get to keep people in bondage to addiction and depression and shame and guilt and anxiety. He doesn't get to do, he already lost. But if he can distract us enough by make us fight with each other, we forget to fight him. Sure. So dumb. (laughs) When you say it like that, it's like, (laughs) yeah. I think that's like, that's so powerful. I, I think you know, last question I'm going to ask you is like when is... Is this being recorded? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is good. This is good? Yeah. <laughs> and you're preaching, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to be here. You're, giving, you're putting bars. Stop it. It's good. One thing you said is like when you had that God dream back yeah. back years ago, um, it didn't come into fruition. So now you see the fruit of it. And I think sometimes when we have a, a dream in our hearts, we're so protective of that dream. We're not, it's not even surrendered dream was given to us. If it's a God dream, it was given to us and we take it like it's ours. Think about a God dream. It, it, it won't always happen in your lifetime, but it'll happen in your lifeline. And so sometimes it takes, it takes generations to fulfill. And I think I want to be a generation. I always see, you know, Grace, uh, you, you posted this a few months ago and I loved it. And I, it was someone, I don't know who, who posted it initially, um, she wasn't paying attention now, and she's like, oh, am I in trouble? Um, she was texting, she said, bro. Gen Who are you Z, texting? She says, she says, she's coming. She said, Gen Z is the early church generation, and I loved, I, I, I believe it. Yeah. And it's so true, but sometimes, like, a God dream, it's not going to happen when, when we see it, but we're so protective because we want it to happen under our leadership, under our watch. But, man, we're just sowing into that dream. And I want a dream so big that it'll take generations to fulfill, especially in the local church. Because I believe the best yet to come, so I want it. I want it to show in my step. Can you? Last question I'll ask you, and we'll have we'll go into worship. Um, talk about that God dream. When you had that dream, did you see it? How you've envisioned it now? Did God give you that specific vision, and how did you protect that from the enemy just kind of distorting it? Do you mean like the dream of Jonah, or do you mean like the dream of when I was eighteen? I had that. Yeah, when Jesus. you when both of them initially yeah, when yeah. you knew you were called to ministry in some yeah. form. I would say when I was eighteen years old. And I had the encounter with the Lord, and which is hilarious. Like, if I had time, I'd tell the story. It's actually hilarious, and maybe I can come back and tell it again another time. But um, I don't have time to tell it. But when I was 18, I had that encounter with Jesus, and uh, it was clear. Like, uh, I heard the voice of God, like audibly. That happens. And I, I think at first I was scared of what maybe that entailed, because immediately when God gave me this call, I immediately like filtered it through my lens and said, well, then this is must, must be what it looks like. When like God had something completely different in mind. And because I filtered it through that lens and because I thought that that's what it was going to look like, I started going in the direction I never was meant to be. So I think it's important when God gives you a dream 
and God gives you, calls you into something, I think it's important that you give it right back to him. I think it's important that when God goes, hey, this is what you're called to, this is what you're graced for, this is what I've placed on your life, that you go, great, have it. Because it's super easy to take it and try and mold it and try and turn it into something and try and say, oh, I'm stewarding it and I'm doing it well. When God's going, I didn't ask you to do that. When I was was starting Yona, I went to a friend I trusted. Her name is Elise Murphy, and she uh, she's seen God do crazy things. She And I told her, I go, this is the dream that God gave me, and I'm terrified, and I think it's crazy, and I don't know if I have what it takes to do it. And she goes, Kate, you need to remember that if when God gives you a dream, you are not the father of that dream. You are just the son. And a father has to provide and a father has to give direction, and a father has to come through, and a father has to carry the weight. All a son has to do is receive. All a son has to do is listen. All, all a son has to do is say, okay. And when I was reminded of that, and she told me that, it released me to go, okay, I don't have all the answers. I don't know, really even still, I don't know what God has in store for Yona, but I know that I can take a step, and I know that I can take a step, and I know that I can go, okay, I'll be obedient. And I know I can go, okay, God, you said to do this, so I'll do this. Okay, now I did that. Now you said do this, I'll do this. And I can follow the breadcrumbs. I can follow a little trail knowing that God's gonna provide every step of the way. He's gonna come through and the pressure's not on me because he's the father of, of the vision. So for everybody in this room, God's placed something intricately inside of you. And you're even probably thinking right now what that thing is and maybe even part of you is going, but that can't be because it's too big and it's too scary and it would take too much of me. But God's not asking you to do it. He's asking you to let him do it through you. And you don't need a million dollars and you don't need the, the, that relationship you think you need and you don't need all the things that you wanna place in your life that you go, well, I have to have this first before I can do that. I gotta get the degree. I gotta have the right car. I gotta have the right paying job, and then I'll, and God goes, no, 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 just step. Just be faithful. Just listen, and let me do something in your life that you could never do on your own. If you wanna handcuff God, go do it. If you wanna handcuff God, say, okay, God, give me a dream, and I'll, and I'll go do it. But if you wanna watch God run, and if you wanna see a miracle happen in your life, and if you want to see people get saved and encounter Jesus and start that business and reach those people and, and, and reach those orphans, if you want to do that, let God do it. Because we'll just get in the way. That's good. That's a word. Hey, thank you so much. That was a word for tonight. That's going to bless us today. Hey, can we, can we give it up for Caden for blessing our ministry and... Love you, bro. Speaking into our ministry.